This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Green and White, the weekly Argyle Life podcast. Getting ever more darn desperate as the weeks pass. Um, with us this week, we have Fraser. Good evening. And we got Finn. Hello. And I'm your host, Nick. Two more losses. We, we didn't record a, uh, a podcast after... Um, oh, God, they all blend into one now. Uh, after Bristol Rovers on the hope that there might be something positive out of the crew game. And yeah, we'd be able to have a slightly more positive podcast, but it wasn't to be. Crew was pretty bad. (laughs) Scoreline doesn't look so bad. Performance, kind of. Um, So the most notable thing coming out of that that Crew game, back four. First time Ryan Lowe started a back four. Um, We ended a game with a back four. We might have ended another one too, but against Rochdale, we ended with a back four of of Byron Moore, Ameson, Apoku, and Conor Grant. And what a back four it is. <laughs> Moore a right back, Grant a left back. Amazing. Um, Fraser, you're, you've been quite a vocal advocate for back four. So first off, I'd just like to open up with... Um, I, I, I told... No, I'm joking. I'm not going to say I told. So, um, <laughs> I, uh, I probably wouldn't have gone with that back four. I probably... Yeah, that's a fair counter. I, I, I think um, Scott Wooten at right back was... Uh, an interesting decision. Um, and I don't really, I can't profess to know a lot of Cal Watts background, but I thought he was sort of a, an outright centre-back. And I might be wrong on that one. He may have played left-back a little bit before. I think centre-back and centre-defensive mid were his two key positions. And as yeah. if Rory were in this, would mention he's also played as a striker, but I think like we're talking <laughs> years back. So I'm not really going to... Yeah, so I, I was a bit... I, I, it looked to me like we were playing four at the back with four centre-backs, which, you know, um, some could say was just adding an extra one centre-back just to really go defensive. But, um, yeah, it didn't work, did it? It didn't um, It didn't take long for crew to uh, work out that masterclass. Um, and uh, so the slump continues. It's because... Um... Finn, what was I know you've had some uh, interesting takes on that that kind of a back four. Yeah, um, you know, like it's pretty clear after the Bristol Rovers game that we needed some more protection in front of the defence. 
Um, but I wasn't expecting it to be so radical as that, as in player formation that looks like, at least um, post-permanent appointment at Berry that he hasn't even played in his career. Um, I think that obviously Lewis McLeod coming back is a boost in terms of um, the solidity he brings in central central defensive midfield. Obviously, he's probably not 100% match fit, but I would have even started him even if he could have played 60 minutes on um, or 50 minutes even on um, on uh, on uh, Tuesday. Um, and I think sometimes it's a bit counteractive. You can almost play, you can almost go too protective. Sometimes having more defensive players on the pitch doesn't make you more solid, especially when you're playing Scott Wooten at right back and Kel Watts at left back. Who, um, well, one, Scott Wooten's not the quickest. Um, and Kel Watts is quicker, but he's not that quick. And also, when has, am I right in saying Kel, has Kel Watts ever played left back? I wouldn't be surprised if he played it once or twice, but probably, I mean, almost certainly at youth level. But I yeah. mean, we've seen Watts taken to pieces by some ways, notably Johnny Smith for Swindon. And so that wasn't a, I mean, it's one thing playing the left side of a back three, it's another thing playing left back. Yeah. So, and, and then Watson's played it sparingly in his career. Um, he I had a reasonable don't... chunk of right back at Leeds. Not that the fans were particularly happy about that. Yeah. But he did. <laughs> I mean, I think I think someone was sharing that on on Argyle Twitter the other day. A link to uh, I think it was just if you just type in uh, Wooten right back hashtag LUFC, you'll find them. Yeah, I mean, I think just um, it seemed um, a bit a bit a bit radical, and um, really, you know, we we the problem is is that we spent eighteen months trying to attempt to play with back three, and up until recently, doing it relatively well. Um, and then we go into a game after a day, if that, to prepare for it, to go, oh, here's your new formation, you know, try and do that, deal with that, and uh, I think it would have been better, I mean, obviously I'm not the manager of Plymouth Argyle, but it would have been better to just play with a 3-4-1-2, like we've been really um, talking about for the last couple of podcasts, and just, you know, get an extra midfielder, in there rather than just completely changing formation. I think what so, I would have done to, to come back on, because I, I didn't really answer Nick's question very well at the start, I just sort of popped it off with, with the four at the back. My idea was was a little bit more play. I, I'd have played Edwards at right back. I think Edwards has played well at uh, right wing back. And I think Edwards can, you, you know, we haven't really got very many natural right or left backs right backs or left backs in the squad, but I'd have played him at right back. I think, and again, I might be wrong on this one, but I think Apoku has played at left back before. Absolutely um, has. Played at yeah, last season so, Crackington at this level. So I would have played Apoku at left back. Um, I would have either kept, I would have definitely kept Ameson in, probably have brought Canavan in as, as he was, but with Apoku at left back and, and, and Edwards at right back. Um, my, my, it was just a little bit. I don't know. Uh, my, my main thinking with it is, is, is that you, you block off that sort of peer, that sort of position behind your wing back and to the left or to the right of your of your defender. Um, 
you know, we we saw how I can't remember which team it was against where Watts lost his man for that early goal. It come cut straight between him and I think it was Nile Canavan uh, for a one on one against Paul Cooper, who I don't think I've seen a keeper. Isn't that Rochdale? When Rochdale uh, yes, through. I think it was. He is yeah. running inside off his shoulder, so not really the yeah. same because because your example here would be in a different circumstance. But I'm not going to get drawn on um, that. You know, Paul Cooper's probably faced more one on ones than most this season. But uh, yeah, it was. I, I sort of get what you're saying in terms of change of formation, and maybe it's different. Uh, you know, it's it's a difficult ask, but I I don't think it was helped by um, playing two of the four defenders out of their primary position. Uh, again, I, I accept that Scott Wooten's maybe played there a few times, but I mean, he, he does a good job of disguising himself as a centre-back, let alone a right-back. Um, even, even if he has, even if he has, he hasn't played there for a few years. Or, yeah. from what I can remember, like, when's the last time he was at Leeds? Like, 2016, I think, wasn't it? Was it 2016? 2016, yeah, didn't it? So that's like four years ago. If he might... It's worth noting, reminding, uh, remembering, they hated him there, as it, the fans did. Not, I'm not sure about the match, but the fans. I, I can't find a good word about him. I wrote back on Twitter. But they, um, you know, it's it's a weird one for me, was the omission of Edwards. Like, not to mention the omission of Luke Jeffcott. But I think, you know, those two have been our best two players this season. Um, if not this season, then in the last two months. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And, you know, they're not, you know, they're not, they're not started. It's just, uh, also, the thing that baffles me most about Edwards not not playing is he's supposedly our captain. So it's like, who who is yeah. the captain? You know, I know Gary Sawyer is the club captain. Obviously, he's got a, a long-term injury. Or he's been out since the start of the season with, with a long-term injury. And he's the club captain. But most clubs have a club captain and, and a squad captain, if that makes sense. Most clubs but, have a squad captain. You know, you know, a captain who, you know, is the captain. You only end up with yeah. a club captain if you have, you want, if that player doesn't play off. And I, I remember late in his career, McCormick was the captain, but largely Sawyer was the squad captain because McCormick wasn't playing as much. Yeah, but we just seem to just, I don't know, you, you know, if you're an important player at Argo, you can be, you, you're often subbed off or don't start, um, <laughs> which, which, which that baffled me as well. I, I you know, I think the importance of a captain in a team can often be over-egged, if you like, you know. Um, but I think in the instance where we're talking about Argyle, and we talked about for a couple of podcasts now, the, the need for a leader, there's some substance to say that Edwards, especially if Canavan's not playing, is our best le- leader. So to take him off... I mean, obviously, Ryan Lowe said it's not as much about leaders, but I disagree. I think you need that. Um, I I just, I don't know. Do you know what I think it is? Is I think that we're under so much pressure at the moment, and we've talked about this accumulating pressure when you don't win and and the need for a win becomes more. Is that just overthinking it, you know? And and you just need to go back to basics. Like he's saying, go back to basics. Tuesday, he said, before Tuesday, he said, go back to basics, and he didn't go back to basics. So he really needs to go back to basics. And by back to basics, I literally mean 
play the formation that he wants to play, but just for the protection. <laughs> I know you're laughing there. Pass the ball, pass yeah. the ball, pass the ball. Okay, now shoot. Okay, now good. Back into position, then pass I've the ball. I've just got that Mike Bassett scene in my head. The more you <laughs> go back to basics, uh, I just wanted to shout it out, but I'm not going to give Nick the satisfaction. Um, <laughs> oh, I hate that movie. That's far too much of a happy ending. It, it uh-huh. should end in the way... Generally, it's one of my favourite movies. It, it is like watching the you know the proverbial like Twitter fan like trying to run a uh, football team, but going absolutely awfully. Life crumbling around him. Loved it. Horrible ending. Dreadful ending. But yeah, yeah, it's just like you know we we play perfect. I mean, we've been at times when we're really when we're good, we're really good. You know, I don't feel like if we're at our best, there's many teams that can. That that ha- you know will feel confident against us at least, and uh, at the moment I think it's a combination of the manager, not really you know he's not been through this in his career, so he's you know and this was standing. He in has the- he had it at Barry. Oh sorry, yeah, okay, um, but he hasn't been through this many times, um, and I don't think many managers last a period like this twice. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I I just think like. A win is needed, and you know, a win is really needed, basically. And to do that, we need to go back to basics. I know I keep saying it, but we actually do. I mean, going back to that, the four four two. The reason Fraser and I have been privately arguing about four four two for like three weeks, and I was telling him time and time again wouldn't work. Not because four four two is an inherently bad a back four. And sorry, you weren't saying four four two. You're saying a back four. My yeah, yeah. I mean, I, um, I, I mean, I, I think four four two is like. Appreciate your, your heart's that, desire, man. but it's not really what you're asking for. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, but um, so your heart's desire is a little and large striker combination. But I know your heart's desire isn't Frank Nuble, so we so we can't actually put that into. <laughs> I mean, your closest thing to your heart's desire is probably a lot loss up front. Then he's the taller. <laughs> he's the next tallest, isn't he? Um, <laughs> um, Abraham would be quite tall actually we haven't seen enough of him anyhow the reason that I'd always been a downer on the back four for this as a solution was twofold number one um, we don't have any natural fullbacks and you need good fullbacks to play back four particularly nowadays they become so important going forward you notice how we didn't have a single shot our possession was crap our creativity was crap against crew it's because without fullbacks nowadays you can't really without good attacking fullbacks you can't really play a good back four right now um, like even the most defensive counter-attacking team in the world right now which is Spurs look who they've got a full-back Serge Aurier who's barely a right-back and more like a wing-back anyhow um, so number one lack of obvious uh, full-backs has been oh no I'm fine with that because I said that Lowe would to be honest I said last season that Lowe may as well have sold Riley and uh, Tafari more because they were never going to be I mean, used to him, they were just, and Ashley Smith round, they were just wasted money and, you know, so approved and getting rid of them allowed us to spend money elsewhere. But the counter to that is that now we don't have any fullbacks, so we can't switch to a back four, in my opinion. Which is fine, we've just got to, but a back three isn't inherently weakly defensive. No. It doesn't, you know, I mean, let's face it, when we had John Sheridan, we, were, we went to a back three and that was seen as more defensive than the back four. And and Derek Adams coming in and going for a back four seemed like a more attacking option. So it's all relative as number one. And then number two is that currently the issue isn't, um, you know, the actual, you know, the deployment of a back four versus a back three and so forth, because we often get into a reasonably good shape. At the moment, it's, you know, individual defensive errors and a lack of leadership and so forth. And changing from a back three to a back four isn't going to help that. 
putting the right players in, making some you know signings to improve in January are going to be what's important. But part one is confidence. Part two is cutting out the simple errors. Like, I mean, I still can't forgive. I, I've literally the week before the podcast before Rochdale. Sam and I, Sam was saying that Canavan hadn't made a mistake, and I was saying Canavan's too relaxed. He always gives me heart attacks. And literally forty-eight hours later, he left a ball rather than clearing because he thought we'd gone out for a goal kick, and we and we conceded, which was like the perfect indictment of what I don't like about Canavan. Guy is far too far too calm, and so looks like he doesn't care when he makes those mistakes. But yeah, so for me, you know, it's about playing the right players in the right positions. And you know, install, installing more leadership rather than switching from a back three to a back four, and that's why I said it wouldn't work, and that's why, you know, in my eyes, it didn't. Do we think he'll, um, or do you think he'll, he'll stick with this, or will he go back to what he's we went been to doing? a back three at half time, so I doubt he's going to go for a back four again from the or off. Or is he going to just completely roll the dice again and just just really go for it? That's more likely. <laughs> Another quick side note: How on earth, given that? Like the magic eight ball has been picking our defense. It's mad that Watts is the only one who hasn't been dropped. Watts aside every game bar the EFL trophy. So I don't, I don't get this. And I liked Watts. He had a you know a poorish start, then he had a good middle, and now he's not dropped off completely, but now he's making mistakes uh, here, there, and everywhere. And that you know, it's not the other defenders aren't, it's that when the other defenders do that, they get dropped, they get subbed at half time. Whereas Watts seems to be immune in the you know, for the most part. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one there that he's he's um, he sort of favoured avoided that uh, sort of criticism in that respect. I don't think any of the defenders have really, you know, um, done themselves any justice of they, especially in the last couple of weeks, uh, and maybe taking him out just will give him take the pressure off a little bit because he has been playing so many games. Especially um, when you've got a Poku who's you know a more natural left-sided of the back three, in my opinion. I don't like him in the middle. I don't like Watts in the middle. Just put a Poku on the left and take take Watts out of the firing line for a bit. Yeah, it might might not be a might not be a bad idea. I, so here's a question I wanted to ask you, and I sort of wrote an article a bit around this premise already this week, but so I was genuinely quite concerned by. The fact that we played that back four, that I've been worried for weeks, and you know, confidence was lacking, it was decreasing, and then low going to the back four was like, you know, warning signs for me. That actually made me move closer to low out than anything else. It said to me, you know, he's he he doesn't really know how to get out of it. No, he doesn't know what he's doing, but he, he's in a tailspin, and you know, his ability to influence this to end this cycle is lessening. So I I almost thought to myself I wanted to ask you it, you know if you could speak to low one on one right now what well not you know obviously right the second but I mean the next day <laughs> or two before before the MK Dons game what, what would you be thinking about saying um one play Luke Jeffcott from the start every game <laughs> and um second of all um you know you've had so much success with this with this formation you know, just stick with it and um, try and ride this, um, you know, ride this wave that everybody has. Um, and eventually, um, I think that luck will be on your side again um, because there's no there's no point changing formation in a game where we did need a result against Crew. Like, we, we, you know... 
we needed a result against Crew as much as we need it against MK Dons at the weekend. And, you know, he's gone, we need more defensive protection. So I'm just going to put square pegs in round holes when actually you don't need to do that. I think that's what I would say. I, I was gonna, I was gonna try and do a Scouse accent in response. And Jay, I was practicing it while you were speaking, and literally, just like a pirate, it was like, "Ah, but Finn." <laughs> I think uh, I'd go a slightly different way. Um, I think I, one, I would say what what uh, what Finn said is just play Luke Jeffcott. Like you know, he's don't he, sub him either. It's not just yeah, start yeah. Him. Don't just stop yeah, start him, him and stop subbing him on the hour mark. Because he's better than every other striker that we've got by we, some sorry, side margin. Note. We we have like a sweepstake now every game for what minute he'll sub Luke Jeff Jeff got. That's how bad this got. <laughs> but, we are literally but kickoff was saying when's he gonna sub him? But that that's the first thing. But all doing I think I would probably I have thought about this because I read your article, Nick, and um I, I I did see the bit that you were gonna pounce it on us at the podcast. But I think I would say be bold and go you perhaps you know, we've been talking a lot, and I've been guilty of this, of how do we shore up the defence, right? What's the what's the approach to shoring up the defence? Now, in reality, we can't do a great deal about the defence until January. We've got the players we've got, and we're not going to be bringing doing anything as drastic as bringing a youth player in or anything like that. So, you know, we've got the defence that we've got, and we've got the defensive midfielders that we've got. You know, you can you can we can talk and discuss variations. Why not just go for it up the other end? You know, if we if if we know this defence are going to score to concede two, be bold, be brave, knock it forward for quicker, be more direct. You know, push Danny Mare further up the pitch, get the ball out to Cooper for him to just you know start hitting early crosses into the box. If we're going to concede two for the next couple of weeks, or one or two goals at every game for the next couple of weeks, let's try and score three. To be like, honest, I, yeah, I know I mean, it's a bit gung ho. But at the end of the day, it might goals are going to get more confident. Are going to get confidence in the team. Um, that's going to start, you know, getting people's tails up. And this team can go and, <clears throat> as you said earlier, Finn, this team can go and beat good teams and can put them under pressure, and maybe take the pressure off the back line by putting it on the opposition back line. But uh, whether or not we've got the confidence, whether Lowe's got the confidence in himself, I mean, he's a very self-assured individual. Or whether he's got the confidence in the, you know, it would take something like the players like Danny Mayer to step up and say, right, we're going to push forward. We're going to shoot early. We're going to cross early. We're going to play that risky pass in behind the defence. But, uh, you know, that's what I'd probably say. I mean, um, Nick might have examples where where this actually happened, but I'd like us to be, be yeah, like you said, be quicker, you know, I don't, you know, we can put together some really good moves and score some good goals that you go, wow, that, that was a good goal. But I'd like us to be, like, especially when we win the ball back, just be a bit quicker in transition. Like, you know, be a bit more fast-paced because often, especially when we're trying to break teams down, it's just side, 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 side. Like you said, take that risky pass. What's gonna, What's the worst that's going to happen? Because ultimately, if you just go... Side to side to side to side, trying to break someone down, crossing, cleared away. It's going to have the same effect. You're going to lose the ball anyway. So you might as well play that risky pass, sort of risk reward. It's what the best players in the world do, you know? 
I mean, I completely disagree with that. To be honest, just because uh, <laughs> I, think, I, I think I think Lowe's has shooed most of that. He's got he's got rid of a, a whole chunk of that. If if you look at how we played the start of last season versus how we play now, we have a considerably more um, direct approach. Uh, you know, we we <laughs> one of our current plans at the moment is for the in particular the left wing back to um, to drop back and draw the fullback with them. And then Danny Mayer will loop into that space at the top and we'll play the ball over the top. We don't I think how many times of Fraser? How many times do you complain this season about us having um, <clears throat> about uh, us playing triangles and you getting bored? Think about how many times you complained the last yeah, season. Yeah, last season that was a that was a particular. Bugbear in mind, but we we're haven't not doing that perfect, much anymore. We haven't got the perfect triangle team of Cooper, Sawyer, and Merfit yet. I think you'll find it was McCladsey and Sawyer and Mare. Yes, it was. But we can bring in uh, Cooper and we can do it to get <laughs> first nil-nil when Sawyer's fit, just to stop the rot. But Anyhow, point, I, I, I know what you mean. Point point being, we aren't passing it. You know, we aren't. We aren't just playing sterile possession much anymore. We, and we we are quite direct at times. Think about a lot of the times Camera's playing. He gets the ball and he runs with it. Yeah, you know, we we if anything, I think that's ne- not necessarily helping as much. Yeah, I can see what you mean now. Yeah, that was a stupid comment. It wasn't a stupid comment, but well, I mean, uh, yeah, we're, I, know we're what I mean, I think we need to take um because there are two issues here, and the defense are getting a lot of criticism, um, and and you know, in many respects, fairly so. But there is the other issue that only one player really is scoring at the other end of the pitch. So, um, you know, if people like George Cooper, Danny Mayer, any of the other strikers, uh, you know, Byron Moore, he can be, you know, quite an attacking player, take a bit more responsibility in scoring and creating goals. Well, yeah. It takes it off the back line a bit because all the focus at the moment is on the defence. If we, you know, and, and, and we need to... I, I, we're not going to shore up the defence much more without getting rid of a few and bringing a few in. Um, and, and we were conceding goals even when we were winning games. Let's, you know, we weren't we weren't exactly like you know keeping clean sheets every week. We were just scoring more than the opposition. Admittedly, we weren't conceding this many, but um, you know we weren't we weren't having clean sheets every week. Uh, is I, I think you could have the reverse argument that against Bristol Rovers. You, you know, as much as you could say Argyle should do better at the corners, you know they, you know they should be more alive to the situation. Uh, you know the situation oh, in the God, box. The corners, I've forgotten about that. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I was focusing on crew. I keep forgetting about Rovers. Jesus. Yeah, Sorry, I mean, yeah, but you could equally say, and I, I think, you know, you know, obvious statement, but football is a team game, and so a defense doesn't make a team, um, and. Uh, you could equally say, okay, so sure, we should have defended better. At, but Hardy could have scored three or four of the chances he had. So, so could Jeffcott. So could Jeffcott. Yeah. So Jeff remembering Cott. that Jeffcott has missed a number of good chances yeah. in the last three games. Albeit he is also the only scored. Yeah. He scored our last three goals and four of our last five. Yeah. And the last time in the league, he didn't score. He wasn't here because he's on international duty. So, but nevertheless, he still has missed a couple. Hardy and Jeffcott between them could have actually won that game no matter how poorly we played in defence as well. We could have won 4-3, you're right. Yeah. Um, And then it's not just the strikers, because the strikers deserve to come in for it, because it's not that they're not scoring. Because I can, you know, when someone like, for example, Ryan Taylor isn't scoring, I'll happily defend him, as long as he's helping create sort of thing. But 
it's not that they're not scoring, it's that they are having so many chances. And Jeff got aside, Je- Jeff got still scored more than he should have, let's say. But l- you look at the rest of them. Well, he's on double figures already, isn't he, Jeff got? Yeah, but then uh, like Hardy's cost us five goals at least. Nublay's cost us at least three goals, probably five. Telford's cost us at least five goals. It's madness how many... Like, take all other elements of the game aside. I mean, strong- one, I know this isn't completely representative. I know they're sort of vanity metrics, but the goal conversion of Frank Nublay is 7%. He's had more to, shots than any other striker that we've compared got. Compared to Luke Jeffcott's 45%. Which hey. I know Luke Jeffcott doesn't ever touch the ball unless it's going in, pretty much. <laughs> but um, but that is some stagger, staggering difference between two of our probably most featured strikers, whereas uh, yeah. Ryan Hardy is at 4% goal conversion Ooh. rate. Ooh. Yeah. Even Joe um, Edwards is rocking a higher percentage. <laughs> I imagine Jordan's is quite high. Must he be is. Really. He's on thirty-three. To be fair, thirty-three. Thirty-three percent. He doesn't shoot much. He's got. He's got three goals. To be fair, his yeah. finishes are precise when he when he hits them. Yeah. I do like a good Joe Edwards finish. He does. They're just, um, they're just hard and low. You know, like stereotypical. Can we put him up front? Finish. Can we actually put him up front? <laughs> Why haven't we tried this yet? Genuinely, his finishes. I mean, we've tried with Parker, front, haven't we? So yeah, do right, so let's you, do this, right? You, get it. I'm surprised taking him off. Did you this see that, that goal? Like, he scored... Okay, you got the two against Crawley. Um, he missed the, the Bradford missed, one. The Bradford one was a great finish. Oh, the so Brad, yeah, that's and then the, he did exactly the same thing against QPR. Same yeah. style, coming in off the right left foot finish in the near bottom corner. That's the one then, I was going to talk about. He's just completely sent the Bradford defender and put it low into the corner. Left, um, I think it was... Um, what is his name? Um, O'Donnell Landstruck. O'Donnell, yeah, kicked it yeah. straight to him. He, oh no, he pressured and won it back. That was it. Yeah, he pressed O'Donnell. O'Donnell kicked it to Sarsovich or something like that. And all Grant, from yeah, there. Joe Grant, yeah. That was a Grant. There you go. Yeah, but yeah. But okay, right. I, I think I we've, got, we've solved our striker problem. Jerdwood well, is going up front. I say this is a completely side point. I bet you couldn't guess which two players have got the joint highest goal conversion this season. What for Argyle? For Argyle, Connor Grant. No. It's not Conor Grant. No, no. Conor Grant's at 33% goal conversion. Isn't that the same as Edwards? Uh, same as Edwards. But okay, it's not right. as good as uh, Jeff Cott, as I mentioned earlier, at 45%. Um, let me think. Let me think. It surely can't be Telford because he's had a ridiculous amount of shots. Um, so it must be Kel Watts? Uh, no, it isn't Kel Watts. Kel Watts is... A Poku? A Poku's one of them. 50%. Goal conversion. Oh, wait, there's two more. Oh, right. So I mean, you can't really count a Poku's goal. He touched it in on the line. It's not really a shot. He still scored. Canavan must be the other then. And Canavan's the other. Both he's had, had like two shots. He's had two shots a goal. goal. Efficient. Efficient. Going forward. Canavan and Edwards up top next game then. There's a fun stat in basketball, which is basically like looks at the baskets that the uh, player has won minus the baskets that the player has sort of cost. So you get like a plus minus sort of mm. points per player at the end of each game. You know, I'd love to to say that Niall Canavan and, and uh, Poku are doing great with their 50% goal conversion, but I think we both know with the amount of goals they both concede, uh, they'd definitely be on the losing side of that goal difference uh, for both of them, bless them. Um. So, 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 so we've solved the striker problem. Is that Jared would start up front? Um, 
for me, then I'd be looking at uh, four, uh, three, four, one, two, because I think it brings, like, say, we've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, it brings an extra defensive midfielder in. It fills out a bit more space defensively, and more importantly, allows us to be quicker and more direct on the counter. The other thing I was going to say, though, was um, that, you know, we've, we've been nagging at the strikers, but yes, midfielders haven't been holding up their you know, end of the bargain either. George Cooper, yeah. Byron yeah. Moore, Danny Mayer. I mean, Conor Grant and Judd was the only ones, you know, tick, tick, you know, they're, they're pulling their weight. Well, Camera has had a lot of decent chances, and I think he's missed the target with virtually every... What's his shots on target? Uh, 29% shot accuracy. Okay, that's better than I thought it would be. Yeah. I think... Even then, that's less than one of three shots hitting the target. I mean, of all our goal scorers, it is the least. Um... Yeah, there you go. Sheffield United are in front, by the way. Um... <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah, they are. I'm a gold Unfortunately for England fans, Dean Henderson mistake, it looks like. Um, Dean Henderson mistake or Dean Henderson bribe? Well, yeah. <laughs> just, oh, just right. Now, so Lindelof has passed it back to Dean Henderson. He's passed it square to Maguire. Maguire back to Henderson. Being pressed by... A fleck, I think. No, whoever number fourteen is, and McGoldrick taps it in. Anyway, yeah. To be fair, Man United don't start until the second half yeah. today, so Bruno Fernandez will probably get a hat trick in in the second half. Valid yeah. point. So there we go. Um, back to our goal because it's a. Can, lot can I just time. highlight then? I know this is not relevant. It's Sheffield United, but Sheffield United have scored in six league games, and that now includes against United, Chelsea, Liverpool, and. Um, uh, Leicester and Arsenal, but I mean Arsenal's not very impressive anymore, given that they're a mid-table club. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so so like I said, we, we you know we've solved the the goal scoring problem. We put Joe Edwards up front, and um, what's okay? Let, let's think purely about the next game because obviously we're at a stage where the next game is the only game that matters until we get that win. That's the all that matters. And when they come up against MK Dons, they are very possession oriented. When they finish their chances, they look majestic to watch because they pass it well, they create well. Well, okay, they don't even create that well too often. Um, but very often they can be sort of reminiscent of a late post-Pep Guardiola Barcelona team. Not sure if you know what I'm talking about, but lots of passing, not too much penetration, and a bit boring to watch. Do you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 20, 2013 or 2014 bars. I can't remember which one I've got in mind, but um, you know, a couple of seasons after Guardiola left, lots of passing. Yeah. No, I, and to be fair, I think that's what I meant by this side to side to side. I think I'm just thinking more recently. It's it's quite sterile at the moment. It feels like. But anyhow, um, so so that's more likely what what MK Don's going to do. I'm just going to quickly check what their waveforms like because, notably, home waveform has been. Um, what you'd usually expect, which means that, you know, home, you know, the more sides play at home, the more likely you are. Um, uh, if you're at home, more likely to win and score. MK Don's a 13 for a waveform. There you go. So, yeah, they've got two wins and nine on the road. Only eight scored. Yeah. Um, so, anyhow, um, so, yeah, MK. So, where are they even in the table? So, MK Don's their 15th. They're level on point with us, but they're trending up a bit because... Oh, no, they lose draw-draw, but I haven't seen... Anyhow, so they're going to come down here. They're going to pass a lot. I think they're going to pass less because they're away. They might start more defensively. But how would you go about getting around that? My, my answer is that if... Well, one of my thoughts is that if we try and sit back and hit on the counter, 
that actually might play into their hands because they seem more comfortable um, with the ball at their feet and therefore denying them possession might be more likely to cause them trouble. What do you think? Yeah, I'd be very wary of letting, you know, I saw the possession stats that MK Dons have had this season, which is for a team as low down in the division as they are, they must be one boring team to watch. But um, we can't just let them have the ball and knock it around all day. If you know, because it's especially with you know six losses on the bounce, we've got to take the game to them and put them, put them under some pressure. You know, um, let you know, don't let them just come and dictate the game and keep the ball. We, you, you know, really, uh, and I know it's a bit of a footballing cliche, but with everything that's going on, let's really come out of that first five minutes as quickly as possible because if we get an early goal all of a sudden our tails are up all of a sudden you know and we've seen how recently we've conceded quite early in a lot of games and you can just tell then you can just see the body language and everything is downbeat so um i would i would get very up close to them getting the, you know press them as quickly as you can and hopefully um snatch something early and if we don't snatch anything early, just keep at it because if they keep the ball as well as they do it could be a very, very long afternoon if uh, if we let them get into their sort of stride. Yeah, and um, as well as that, um, you know, there's a crowd, so that's going to help, I think, the players. I mean, it obviously did in the first time. Um... if they boo. Well, they won't boo if, if we win. Fraser, so. will you boo? I don't boo when I'm at the ground. Doesn't matter what oh. happens. Like, I don't think it's, it's the... Even if I think the team aren't playing well, I don't think it... Um, it's never going to help. Do you Are you mean? sure? Because I know you sometimes drink at these games. It explains your very interesting takes. Are you well, sure you just yeah. don't remember booing? This it's is like you, you so drunk me are two different people. And so I don't boo, drunk me boos. No, no, no. Honestly, I just don't see it's the... like. What's? What, I, I don't get it. I don't get when you're at ground and your team's playing how it's going to benefit if you get on the player's back. Because no one's been trying to like play football and then heard someone go booing them or giving them abuse and gone, oh, I better try harder now. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just not the natural reaction, is it? You're, you know, you get your back up and you feel under pressure. Like, I think the only response that the fans can give is to, you know, make some noise, cheer. You know, the atmosphere, you know, I was in the game for the first one back. It, it was a very pre-season friendly based on the numbers. But, um, you know, there, there was some, you know, some... Linhurst made some noise. They clapped a little bit, banged some of their empty seats, uh, which you don't always get. Um, so no, we, I, I just don't agree with getting on the players' back when you're you're doing badly but, after the game. Have your com- comments, you know, you know, make your criticisms. We've done it on here. People do it on social media. But during the ninety minutes, you know, what have you got to achieve? But uh, even so, what I meant is, they you know, in, in the ten first ten fifteen minutes, the players really need that, especially after. Uh, you know, a bad run of form, and I'm sure the fans will be behind them for that as well. If Conor Grant could pull out another worldie right about now, be most yeah, yeah. appreciated. I mean, I know, I know he hasn't. Um, he's not one of our main goal scorers all the time. Well, he is this season. I guess. He is. He is. Um, <laughs> you know, he's not normally one of our. Go- you know, mentioned one of our goal getters. But if he could just bang one in, fuck it. If he could bang four in just to be on the safe side, it would uh, be most appreciated. I think, yeah, I think the most important thing going into Ipswich is get the first goal. And remember, Danny, don't kick people. 
kicking people bad. Um, and if we can, if we can manage to make it through a game with those two things, might have something happier to talk about. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 an interesting one, isn't it? But for, I I don't want to. See, I I've got a feeling we might do it. I don't know why. All, all, all logic says to me that this is going to be 65, 70% of the ball MK Dons. They're going to get an early goal and just, just keep the ball. But I, I reckon, um, I reckon this is one thing Ryan Lowe is really good at, as we've seen on Sky Sports. He loves a good rousing speech. I reckon he's watching something like Gladiator and Rocky this week, really getting himself pumped up. It'll give the boys the motivational one before the game. I'd rather he's on the training ground. And, um, nah, nah, <laughs> really any of that training, Malarkey. Uh, Just, you know, good Hollywood blockbuster, Nick. Good speech. <laughs> Get him out there. I mean, raw raw training done in the last couple of weeks, mate. Training's it's the orange juices, it's raw eggs. Drink. Exactly, mate. Like, the last six games... Training's done naff all. Let's get them in front of, you know, Rocky Balboa box set. <laughs> get them out there. You know. Uh, what are we doing? What are we doing, boss? Are we watching back like, the last game? No. <laughs> we are watching Ro- how many Rockies are there. Oh, God knows where they got to now. Um, you know, if they've got time, chuck Creed on. You know, when Rocky's done. And, but, you know, in, in all seriousness, you know, all joking aside, um, my... my I, I want to, you know, my head does say that MK Dons are probably going to beat us. But no, I think if I had to go for a prediction, I'd go for an absolutely sort of very dodgy but very welcomed 1-0 Argyle win. Clean sheet. That's what I'm saying. Old. Um, thin. I'm going to say stupid, but I'm going to go um, with 1-0 Yeah, again, probably, you know, I think the kind of feeling around the fan base is not very confident at the moment and why would you be after six successive defeats um i think but i, I you know I, I want to see us win i desperately want to see us win um so i'm gonna go 2-1 argo come um, on Nick, um, just bring the mood down just, i'm gonna, just, go, just I'm gonna go with a positive down. result a positive result uh it's a one nil loss so it's not many goals conceded <laughs> You can um, just have one week yeah. where all three of us. <laughs> no, I think we'll win. I think I think we'll win three one. I reckon. Um, I think the key thing is if MK Dons do take the lead and do equalise, we need to have a five minute period of calm because if there's one thing MK Dons want, it's us running around leaving wide open spaces for them to pass into because they can exploit those spaces when they've got the ball. So don't panic if the goal goes in number one because they're going to offer up chances of plenty eventually. I would have thought. So that's number one. Number two is try and get the first goal anyway. But number three, we're good at home. You, you take out the red card and we probably beat Ipswich. At the very least, we're getting a point. Um, and that would have been... Well, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Cheers, yeah, exactly. Honey. Things would be totally different. Um, Rochdale was Rochdale is you know the wild card. You take that one out of the equation. That was just nonsense. Uh, just, oh, I can't even begin to... I don't want to think about it, basically. But you take that one out of the equation, we're still good at home. Right, the Ipswich one I'd put purely down to a red card and head loss. Stay calm when when the goal goes in because I think it probably is going to go in. Stay calm during that. Whether the storm and will come out the other side and score another one or two to win it, that would be my thought. Um, so I'm going to go for a three-one win. Yeah. 
But anyhow, that is Green White. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, oh, God, please have a win. <laughs> <laughs> we might be having a very different conversation, something along the lines of who the new manager is, if not. Pro- probably not, but we are reaching that territory. Um, but anyhow, thank you so much for listening, and I uh, hope you have a great weekend. Cheers, everyone, and bye. Bye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.